0: This morning, we're going to be talking a little bit about prayer. So before meals, every meals we pray a blessing over our food, uh, as well as what has happened throughout the day or what is going to happen in the day. And when Abraham was little and he couldn't quite talk just yet, Joy and I um, would say the blessing, right? We want to show them that before we eat our food, we bless it. And we give God thanks for providing this food for us. And over time, as Abraham grew up and began to talk, we started to teach him how to pray as well for the food. And so his first prayer for food went something like this. Dear Jesus, thank you for rocket ship and fire truck. Thank you for mommy and daddy. Amen. We would add the food in part at the end because he has forgotten it. But, you know, he's learning, right? He's learning. And so over time, the thankfulness for the rocket ship and the fire truck started to kind of fade away, which kind of broke me and Julia's heart just a little bit. Because fire trucks, rocket ships, we've got to be thankful for those, right? And eventually, the thankfulness for the friends and family and the food entered into his prayer. And I'll say, since we've moved here, I've kind of seen his prayer life grow just a little bit more. With the help of his kindergarten teacher, Miss Whalen, he has learned to pray that pray when he's not having the best of days. So there are times where he's having a, a bit of a rough start to his day, and so she suggests, hey, let's pray about this. This is something that Joy and I love about coming to Cornerstone, is that the teachers are able to and encouraged to pray for their students, to pray with them. And so I've seen that when Abraham isn't having a good start to his day at home, he'll say, maybe maybe I need to pray about it, which warms my heart as a a father. But it also challenges me. It's like, maybe I should start praying when I'm not having a good day, a good start to my day as well. He's teaching me something. But we know that kids are honest with whatever they say, right? Kids don't have filters. They're going to say what's on their mind. They're going to say what usually parents or adults don't usually say. And so when kids pray, they're honest with God about what they're going on, what's going on. They don't kind of dress up their words like us adults do sometimes. They don't do these long-winded like eloquently spoken prayers. They speak from the heart. They speak from what's going on in their life. And this is evident as seen in Bill Adler's book, Dear Pastor. And this is a book of collection of letters to their pastor. And this kind of provides us kind of insight and it kind of reveals um, what children's perception of God is. The perception of religion, of the church, but also um, what it means to be a good Christian. We see what is on the kid's mind and on the kid's heart. So here are some excerpts from... Um, this book. Dear Pastor, I know God loves me, but I wish he'd give me an A A. on my report card so I could be sure. Love, Teresa, age eight. Dear Pastor, could you say a special blessing from my aunt Beatrice? She is looking for a husband for the past 12 years and hasn't found one. Yours truly, Debbie, age nine. Dear Pastor, do I have to say grace after, before every meal, even if I'm only having a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Wesley, age nine. Dear Pastor, thank you for your sermon on Sunday. I will write more when my mom explains to me what you said. Yours truly, Justin, age nine. Dear Pastor, we say grace every night before we eat dinner, even when we have leftovers from the night before. Yours truly, Jackie, age nine. These are the things that are on our kids' mind. And it makes me think, do we really have to pray for our leftovers that we just had yesterday? Aren't they already blessed, right? It has me thinking about these things. These kids are taught to pray to their Heavenly Father for what is most pressing in their life. And for some of them, it's whether or not they have to pray for their snack, Right? We teach them to go to their father with their petitions, to to go to him when they need help. And we were taught by our parents, who were taught by their parents, and so on and so forth. Or maybe, perhaps you were taught by Jesus himself, like the disciples were. Many people didn't grow up in a home that taught the word of the Lord, or a home that went to church. And so maybe they heard how to pray, or the heard how to pray from Jesus' own mouth. We'll see in our text this morning that Jesus had just got done praying when his disciples approached him and asked for a lesson on how to pray. Whether we are seasoned veterans in the faith or new believers, Jesus is teaching us that prayer is important. But the parable response gives us another understanding of how we should pray and to whom we are praying to As well, So if you have your Bibles, would you join me in the Gospel of Luke? We're going to be in chapter 11, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 13. So Luke chapter 11, 1 to 13. When you found your place in God's Word, would you please standing for the reading of our Lord? Luke 11, 1 through 13. He was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, may your name be revered as holy. May your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us, and do not bring us to the time of trial." And he said to them, suppose one of your friends, uh, suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread for a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing set before him. And he answers from within, do not bother me. The door has already been locked and my children are in bed with me. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you anything out of friendship, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receives, and everyone who searches, finds. For everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, would give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child who asked for an egg would give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how, good, how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the, will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? The reading of our Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So we see here in our text this morning that disciples see that Jesus is praying. They see that this is important to his ministry. And they realize that um, they want to pray just like that. And so they ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. We see typically in scripture, Jesus kind of offers the teaching of God's kingdom to his disciples and to the crowd. But here we see that the disciples are seeking out this teaching of prayer, just like John taught his disciples how to pray. Jesus' response is the well-known, Lord's Prayer. However, it's the shortened version compared to the one that we read in Matthew every service after the pastoral prayer. Jesus gives them a model on how to pray, and it's something that we can learn a lot from as well. And so Miss Julia kind of summed it up for our children this morning, but I'm going to do a little bit more. Said so the first petition is for the sanctification of God's name, right? Father, hallowed be your name. The first thing that stands out is that we can use this familiar language that Jesus used when he addressed God. We can use this family language because he is our father. This helps assure the disciples that God the father knows their needs and it gives them great pleasure in giving to those needs. This is shown in the parable that Jesus tells afterwards, which we'll get to in just a minute. We see this word hallowed, it means to make holy. We recognize our father is holy and that we are called to be holy as well. For reverence of his holiness, we acknowledge his righteousness and perfection. We are awed that even in his holiness, we belong to him. We are to bring honor to God's name. The next petition is for God's kingdom to come. This language draws the people back to the Old Testament, back to the anticipation of the coming of the Lord. God's coming in judgment and in salvation. In Jesus, we and the disciples see Jesus ushering in what that kingdom looks like. And we pray that we can help usher in that same kingdom that Jesus modeled all throughout his ministry. So these first two petitions are very similar and that each teach, uh, and each makes a confession. And that confession is God has indeed shown his name, his self, to be holy. And in Jesus, God's reign has come near. All the while also yearning for the, uh, the more complete realization that all people would come to honor the name of the Lord and that God would establish the fullness of his reign on earth. Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom. Come. And so the next three sentences, these next three petitions, address essential needs in our life. Daily bread, forgiveness, and preservation. Give us each day our daily bread. The word daily in verse 3 offers a little bit of trouble for us. It's not, this word doesn't appear in the Greek literature before anywhere before Matthew or Luke. And based on its etymology, it could mean daily, like each day. It can mean tomorrow's bread or the necessary bread, right? It's a petition for substance, a request for the necessary sustenance that we require daily. We trust that God will meet our needs, that he will care for us. At the same time, we're not worried about the future. We depend on God, our Father, to provide what we need for today. And then tomorrow, we will renew our dependence by coming to Him in prayer once again. Just like we have this need for daily prayer, this need for daily bread, we also have a need for daily forgiveness of God. So this next petition is for forgiveness. We ask God to forgive our sins, Right? We search our hearts, recognizing that we need his forgiveness. And then we confess those sins to him. However, it doesn't just stop there. We just don't ask for forgiveness. We're supposed to give forgiveness as well. This forgiveness is followed by the assurance that we will also forgive others. Just as our Heavenly Father has graciously forgiven us, we must forgive others, forgive their shortcomings forgive their, their failures, forgive their mistreatment of us. If our true desire is to be forgiven, then we must grant that same forgiveness to others, Jesus says. So now we get to this final petition, and that is of being tested. We are asking God for protection from life's trials. We know that we will have trials and tests in our life, right? There's no question about that. Jesus, nor his disciples, nor his followers could escape that reality in their life. So we can't think that we will also escape that as well. We aren't granted immunities to life curveballs or tests, but we are given the strength to endure and recover from whatever life or Satan throws our way so all this is great, this, this model that Jesus gives us on how to pray, these words that we can pray if we don't have the words to say. But how does all this kind of connect with what happens after verse 4, right? Jesus tells a story about how a neighbor goes to his friend at midnight to, to get bread for a guest. How does that connect to this idea that Jesus teaches us how to pray? How do these two things connect together? And so we see um, that this man does come in the middle of the night to ask for bread. And I don't know about you, I would be pretty frustrated if someone showed up in the middle of the night asking for bread. And I wouldn't be frustrated really by the visit because you're more than welcome to come, because I'm most likely going to be up at midnight, or um, your request, Um, I'm willing to give whatever I have to help. I would be more frustrated that you woke up my dog, Baxter, because if you ever visited my house, you know and heard Baxter greet you at the door. And so I'd be more frustrated that you awoke in him and aroused him than myself, because that means my whole house is gonna hear and wake up and possibly even the neighbors around us. He has this deep howling bark, and so you can definitely hear in the surrounding area. But there's a connection between this, this request for bread from the neighbor and this teaching that, that Jesus teaches us how to pray. And I'll be honest, it wasn't until I did a further study on this that I really uh, understood what Jesus was hitting at between this connection. You see, back in Jesus' time and culture, there was this social convention that if a friend came to visit you, you are obligated to give them a meal. And if you didn't have anything to give them, then you would incur great shame. Like the community would no doubt hear about it, and they would be remembering this for days and weeks to come, but you didn't give your guest a meal. And so we see that when the neighbor doesn't have the bread for his unexpected guests, according to this social convention, he has to go to his neighbor, go to his friend and ask for this bread. And we see at first that the neighbor kind of denies his request because he's already locked the door, right? He's already set the alarm. He's already in bed with his family. Back in that time, they all slept in one space together. So if he got woken up and got up, the whole family's getting up. And if you have a one or two year old that you just put down, I don't think you want to get up, despite any kind of request. But we see that uh, if he did get up, he'd wake the whole, the whole family. But Jesus said the neighbor would still get up and give his neighbor bread. But it's not because of friendship. It's because of this, this perseverance that he said, right? He said that because of his perseverance, he's going to give up and give the neighbor what he needs. And this idea of perseverance isn't the kind of perseverance we think of when we, think, uh, uh, when we see it in Scripture. Like we think that he keeps knocking, right? He keeps knocking late into the night. I need bread. I need bread. But it's not it. The Greek word here is idea, which doesn't accurately translate to persistence as we see here in the text. The accurate translation is imprudence or shamelessness. So this goes back to the idea of shame that will come if we denied that hospitality of a friend. But the question is, who is shameless here? Is it the man who is coming at midnight knocking on the door full of bread? Or is it the man who is reluctant to get out of bed to give said neighbor that bread. Either one of these readings is possible, but it seems like the latter, the one who denies and doesn't get up, is preferable here. The situation is unthinkable not because of the petitioner's persistence, but because the honor demanded that a neighbor get up, awaken his whole family if necessary, and supply the neighbor's need, if not for friendship, At least to avoid being shamed. And so we see that this parable requires us to compare our expectation of a neighbor with our assumptions about God. We may pray confidently, therefore, not because we trust in our own persistence, but because we know that in our time of need, God is even more trustworthy than a neighbor. God can be trusted. Right we see that Jesus says ask and you will receive search and you will find knock and the door will be opened for you this triple saying offers assurance that ours is a God who gives who opens and allows us to find Jesus assures his followers and us that God answers prayers Jesus continues with how much more at the end of this text, right? If a human father will give his children good things, then how much more will the heavenly father give? right? Despite all the good fathers in the world, they're still human. They still can make mistakes. But we have a heavenly father who is willing to give us if we ask. But we have to understand that just because we ask doesn't mean that it's a guarantee that we're gonna receive whatever we have requested, right? When God's not a vending machine. We can't just put in our request and he's gonna dispense what we want. The assurance that follows the Lord's Prayer assumes that those who seek, those who ask, those who knock are asking from their need but also from God's will. That they are seeking the kingdom of God and that they're knocking at the door as a neighbor in the night. So we don't, we don't worry or have to worry if we've gotten the, the theological questions wrong or if we're uh, partitioning God, whatever we're partitioning God for is even the right thing to ask. We can come still as little children who can't quite put sentences together, who are feeling these big feelings that don't quite make sense and who just want to have or just want um, what they want and don't want to do anything about it. God says he's not gonna punish you for asking for these things. He's not gonna give us snakes or scorpions instead of fish or eggs. Instead, we can trust that God is listening, that he will not be too far off to hear our prayers, even if they are silly, selfish, or completely off base. He is indeed our Heavenly Father. Frederick Buchner writes Even if He does not bring you the answer you want, He will bring you Himself. And maybe at the secret heart of all of our prayers, that is what we are really praying for. God gives us His Spirit, His presence, and God tells us that. That's good stuff right there. That is good stuff. And so the disciples came to Jesus and asked him to teach them how to pray. But Jesus doesn't just give them these magic words to say, right? We don't just recite these these words because we know that God's going to answer our prayers if we say these right words. Instead, Jesus teaches them about the nature to whom they are praying, From beginning to end, Jesus is telling them that they can pray to God as their heavenly father, as a father that provides for our physical and spiritual needs as the one who worships him. When disciples ask for a lesson on prayer, they get a better understanding of God as father. The greatest stimuli to prayer are the awareness of our need and absolute dependence on God and our knowledge and experience of God's character. Jesus' teaching on prayer requires that the one who prays will pray as one aware of their desperate self-need before God. Jesus' teaching assures that prayer is effective not because of our controlling, or because we have found the right words, but it's because of God's nature as Father who loves his own and wants to give to those in need. So as I I close up, I'm going to invite the worship team to come back and join us for our, our closing song. And the song that we're going to be closing with kind of talks about how we need to put our trust in God. Some of the requests and petitions that we bring to God is pretty deep stuff, right? And it's that deep stuff that has that depth to it that he is calling us to trust him during that, those deep times when the waves seem to be out of control and they seem to be violently tossing all around us, that he is walking through us all in those troubling waves because he is a father that loves and cares for his children. And I wish I could give you the reason why some prayers are answered while others go unanswered. I wish I could. And I really don't think any pastor really knows the answer. But what I do know is that God gives us the spirit to help us endure whatever hardship or trial that life throws at us. Jesus is saying that our prayers are always answered. The, prayer to every, the answer to every prayer is God giving God's very own self To be present with you no matter what. No matter if you feel it or not, it's there. God gives us God. It may not be the care, the cure, the career that we are asking for, but sometimes it might be. The important thing that Jesus says is that when we come to God in prayer, we encounter God himself. A gift that will walk every step of the way with you. So I say rest in that knowledge that you are not alone during some of your greatest trials and tribulations. God is with you. And So as the band plays this song, I challenge you to listen to the words and to really trust that God is the answer to all of our prayers no matter if we truly understand it, God gives us the gift of his presence to say, I'm here for you, and I'll care for whatever need that you have. So as the band plays, I encourage you, if you still have those prayers that you're dealing with, uh, come bring them to the altar. God is definitely strong enough to carry those, those, those requests, those burdens. Let us pray this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful that we can be in your house, Lord, that we can understand through your son's teaching, Lord, of how we can bring our requests before you, and that we can place them at your knees, Lord, and that you will answer them, Lord, because you give us you. Father, it may not be what we, we want to hear, Lord. It may not be the, the answer that we were hoping for, but you, you tell us that you'll never leave our side, that you'll never let us go through it alone, Lord. And so I pray, Lord, that we can hang on that promise, Lord, that you're always gonna be with us even when the waves get too big, even when the storms of life throws us all about, Lord. You are walking every step of the way, Lord. And it takes trust to know that we're gonna be okay in the midst of everything, Lord. Because how much more are you gonna give us than even our our earthly fathers, Lord? Father, help us rest in that, knowing that you're gonna be there for us in all of it, Lord. Help our our friends to to encourage us to, to know that we're not alone during this, Lord. That you're sending the right people in the right time, in the right place, because you're a God who answers prayers. So help us rest in that this morning, Lord. You gave us a a model of how to pray, and you showed us who you are as a God who loves his children. Let us pray confidently, knowing that you're going to answer the prayers that we pray to you. Father, keep us safe, and help us to echo those words that you've taught us. Father, we love you, we praise you, amen. benediction this morning. Go with the promise and trust that God is with you through every step of this journey. The highs and the lows. The storms and the calmness. God answers prayers because he gives them. He gives us us. Go in that truth this morning knowing that God hears your prayers and he answers them. You're dismissed.